When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Hello, Monica. Hello, hello, hello. Ooh, that was nice. Hey, hey, how's everyone doing in this lounge? I feel like we need some like sultry piano music going in the background. Everyone having a good time. (laughs) Who's from Chicago? You're from Chicago. I'm not from Chicago. (laughs) Hey, everybody. We're going to talk about films tonight. (laughs) Films, baby. Films. Hold your gal close. That sweet dame you've got on your arm. How are you, Monica? I'm all right. I'm having some eggs. I'm having some coffee. Yes, you are. Uh, and I'm having a good time. I got these new cups from Amazon. They wow. look like beer cans, but they're cups. Beer cans. But they're glass. They are glass. So they only really resemble the shape of the beer can <laughs> and really nothing else. They don't yes, actually. it's just a shape. They're clear glass. That is not, it doesn't look like you're drinking out of a yes, beer can. Yes, because I, uh, no, I'll save this for my dad. Oh, okay. She She's going to play coy. I'm playing Uh, Well, I'm really excited about who we're talking about today. Who are we talking about today? We're talking about a recently very acclaimed actress. I mean, she's been acclaimed for a long time, but you know, literally a few weeks ago, won another Oscar. So that's exciting. I know four, four, four in her midst, three for acting, one for producing. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Truly bizarre. Truly bizarre. So today we're talking about Frances McDormand. I love this bitch. Frances McDormand, (laughs) lady of the night. (laughs) She brings things down with her hands on her silver tray. Oh, that was a great song. Thank you. <laughs> she has such nice hands. She d- yeah, Sure. I've never <laughs> noticed. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our girl, Frances. Frances Louise McDormand, born Cynthia Ann Smith. What the fuck? <laughs> is an American actress and producer. Frances was adopted at one and a half years of age, which is, and her adopted parents changed her name. Oh, okay. Got it. And she grew up all over the damn place because her father was a pastor. And I guess he would like travel around and establish congregations. Right. You know, as you do as a pastor. Correct. Correct. Uh, She earned her MFA degree from the Yale School of Drama, which, you know, we love that shit. You know, we do. You know, we do. (laughs) Before moving to New York to pursue acting, where apparently she was roommates with Holly Hunter. And I'm incredibly jealous of what life in that apartment was like. Dash. (laughs) How was that such a perfect impression (laughs) in a single word? (laughs) That's probably all she heard all day long in her dorm. Oh, man. Okay. So she then made her film debut in Blood Simple, the first film by her husband, Joel Cohen, and his brother, Ethan Cohen. 
She had many television, theater, and film roles throughout the 1980s that gained her critical acclaim, but it was her role in Mississippi Burning in 1988 that garnered her first Academy Award nomination and skyrocketed her career. Since then, she has continued being a star both on screen and on stage, winning her four Academy Awards, two Golden Globes, three BAFTAs, four SAG Awards, two Emmys, and one Tony Award. And a Patrie, <laughs> Making her one of the few performers to achieve the triple crown of acting. She is considered one of the most acclaimed actresses of her generation, known for her portrayals of quirky, headstrong characters in primarily small-budget films, but also isn't afraid of a little fun commercial money, considering she's had roles in The Simpsons, Madagascar 3, and Transformers Dark of the Moon. <laughs> Dude, I love the Madagascar franchise. Can't say the same about the Transformers franchise. <laughs> She has been married to Joel Cohen since 1984, and together they are the literal daddies to a single adopted son. Can you imagine being married to a Cohen brother? No, I can't. I can't either. <laughs> Not at all. I also can't imagine being married to Francis McDormand. Yeah. I feel like that's such an interesting household. What an insane household. They probably have like antlers everywhere. <laughs> antlers, antlers, antlers. You'll get an antler. You'll get an antler. We all get antlers. <laughs> They give you a set as soon whenever you visit. They probably drink wine out of all of their uh like out of horns. Yeah. All of like those <laughs> horns. And they wear you know what? They wear those hats that have the raccoon tails. Yeah. Like what's his face? Yeah. You know, the guy. Daniel Boone. Yeah. Is that who it is? I think. <laughs> David Davey Daniel Crockett. David okay. Crockett. <laughs> Who's Daniel Boone? Nathaniel Crockett. <laughs> Oh, oh boy what an eccentric household i know seriously so monica please tell us about her first film yes indeed this is the one you might know and love that our good girl francie is in uh, <laughs> oh don't you know uh this is fargo <laughs> it came out in 1996 written and directed by ethan and joel cohen jerry lundegaard played by willie mace macy is in a dangerous financial jam. To get out of it, he hired Carl, played by Steve Buscemi, and Geyer, played by Peter Stormare, to kidnap his wife and hold her for ransom so that his father-in-law will pay the money, because he's really fucking rich, mm -hmm. digging Jerry out of financial ruin. However, this plan quickly falls apart after the very pregnant police chief Marge Genderson, played by Francis McDormand, begins investigating a triple homicide that the hitmen were involved in. <laughs> I love Oh, there's a triple homicide. <laughs> You're darn tootin'. You're darn tootin', there is. <laughs> oh, yeah? Um, okay, so. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Don't you know? <laughs> the fucking amount of times they say, yeah? 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 Or like, oh, this is a sweet deal. So sweet. <laughs> is the, it's like. The accent is like a it's like a character. In the, the accent movie. is is its own character yeah. in this movie. It's yeah. brilliant. It's, it's absolutely it's fucking brilliant. amazing. This movie is brilliant. Let's like let's get that out of the way. Yeah, it's shoo, shoo. just uh, it's like it's like a tight ninety five, which you, you, know, you know we know love. We love. We love, we love a tight, tight movie. <laughs> So tight. so tight and the score is amazing oh the it's score score the score is brilliant it's such a good score. it's Every, carter burwell uh obby yeah obby. the con brothers love that man <laughs> friend of the pod <laughs> friend of the pod carter burwell <laughs> uh 
it's just like I this movie has everything. Yes. It has murder. It has Francis McDormand. It has William H. <laughs> Macy. It has Minnesota. It has the Paul Bunyan statue. It has like everything you could ever want in a movie is mm-hmm. in this movie. It's it's just it's so it's so good. And there are like dark aspects of it, but it manages to say, stay like light and familiar the entire time. Like there's, so there's the big kidnapping scene where the they, big oh, kidnapping. where, where uh, Steve and Peter, they, <laughs> my, my friends, Steve and Peter. So Steve and Peter, <laughs> they, they go and they kidnap Jerry Lundegaard's wife. <laughs> um, and it's fucking hysterical. It's so funny. It's so funny because, because- they're like coming they can't figure out how to get into the house and she's just sitting there and she's just sitting there and watching them so she's watching the minnesota like morning news and Mm -hmm. she's just knitting her scarf (laughs) and then here they come with those scary black masks and you're thinking like run yeah but she's just standing there or sitting there rather yeah like staring at them waiting for them to do something she's like are they gonna do something are they not like you can tell that she's like giving them the benefit of the job which is just so fucking like just hilarious so nice because it just the whole movie plays into this like stereotype of like the minnesota nice yeah like everyone's like super super nice yeah oh that's just great like (laughs) and they all have this ridiculous accent wait is it minnesota or is it like one of the dakotas no it's minnesota okay just making sure it's minnesota so the whole thing takes place in minnesota but (laughs) he goes down to fargo north dakota right fargo uh, Fargo, you know, to make the deal with the guys to uh, get them to kidnap her. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm, I, I can't get through this portion without laughing. Because <laughs> yeah. this accent is just so good. It's just so good. Anyway, so that entire scene essentially like sets up, sets everything in motion. Yeah. Right. Because before that, William H. Macy's character, uh, Jerry, yes. Jerry Lindegaard, he is already like trying to make this deal with his father-in-law who, by the way, fucking hates him. Yeah. Fucking hates him. <laughs> like, like wants him dead, like consistently tells him like, Oh, like my daughter and my grandson are taking care of, but like, you're, you're not. not. Yeah. <laughs> so he's really, Willie makes Macy's character is really just trying to like make sure that he, um, gets the money no matter what. Mm-hmm. So he's like doing, you can tell he's doing something sketchy. Yes. Like they're like the serial numbers of the cars aren't adding up. Like the audit for the deal isn't adding up. Everyone's like, Oh, the numbers are sweet, but like nothing else about the deal mm-hmm. is really working out. So you can tell like he's very shady, but yeah. his character is really nice. Yeah. Like everyone else is nice. So in like the Coen brothers world, like in the Fargo world, there's a lot of violence and crime, but because there's so much nice mm-hmm. happening around it, it's really morally ambiguous what's going on. And and yeah. you change who you feel sorry for throughout the entire film. Yes. Which is absolutely brilliant. It's it's fucking hilarious. Like like Jerry when he comes home and realizes that the kidnapping has gone through. Yes, after he's stomped on the mat to get the snow off of his boots. Correct. And he comes in and he's rehearsing his 911. Yeah. Oh, Wade. Over and over again. My wife. My wife. Wade, it's it's Jean. Wade. Oh, no. And then he gets the receptionist and he goes, yes, Wade, whatever his last name is. It's just like this movie is such an incredible combination of like hilarious black comedy in a way, 
but also it's incredibly grounded, but also it's very artistic. Like some of the cinematography in this movie is fucking stunning. Like I think of that shot when Jerry has just been rejected by his father-in-law for the money. It's like over. And it's that wide shot of the parking lot and you just see his little car in the snow. With the tracks. It's it's so fucking amazing. Um, The cinematographer is Roger Deakins and he has done like- Everything. Everything. He's won all of the Oscars. He's been nominated 15 times for an Oscar and has never won. He's been nominated and he's never won except for, I think it was Blade Runner. Yes. uh, Right, right, right. I was going to say 1998. Blade Runner 1998. I'm dead. (laughs) Don't come for me. (laughs) No, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. So he's, so correction, he's been nominated a bajillion times. 15 times, yeah. And has not won except for the one with Ryan Gosling in Correct. it. Correct. Yeah, he did Skyfall in 1917 and Revolutionary Road and all the movies all the that ones. you're like, how could he have not won? Yes. So <laughs> it's fine, it's but fine. it's also not fine. Yeah, but uh, watch this if f- for no reason, just for the cinematography, honestly. Yes, just just for all of the snow. Correct. Which apparently it, like, it was like a, a so shit snow. It was a shit snowfall that year, so they actually didn't even film it in like the parts of Minnesota. Where did they, they film it? Play. I didn't, uh, they, they like this. went North, oh. <laughs> like went all the way North they to like, go to find like Canada or yeah. something. Well, right below. Sure. You know, I know. I don't know how geography works, but I would, I would say that like North of Minnesota is Canada. Cur- yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Someone's going to be like, no, <laughs> no. Can you, like, can you imagine? Uh, anyway, anyway, all this to say, this is a crime story. Yeah. This is a story about a crime. And what happens when someone commits a crime, Jessica? Uh, well, someone, the cops have to come investigate the crime. The cops. The and cops. who is the main cop in this movie? We have Frances McDormand, a.k.a. Marge Gunderson, mm-hmm. coming in. She's probably eight months pregnant. I think she's seven. Or seven. Yeah, she's seven months pregnant. Like, she can't tuck in her, her police chief shirt. It's no. very cute and funny. Um. We've got her coming in at right at the 30 minute mark. So right in your second act, which is amazing. I love how they set all of this up and like ramped you up and then dropped you into like Frances McDormand and her very um, like domestic life. Yes. And like her husband who like paints mallards. (laughs) He paints mallards and he's trying to get one on a stamp Mm -hmm. and he wakes up early to make her breakfast. He's like, no, Marge, I'll make you, I'll make you some eggs. I'll fix you some eggs. (laughs) It's the cutest fucking thing and it's great because like it's the ultimate like her being that pregnant is like the ultimate vulnerable position for a woman to be in but she's the fucking police chief and she has to go investigate a triple homicide exactly which is it's insane so insane and she's so knowledgeable so like as you move through the movie this character actually is like a million steps ahead mm-hmm. of every other character because she's good at what she does yeah she's so super good never mind her being minnesota nice never mind her being a woman never mind her being pregnant mm-hmm. she's just insanely good at her job yeah so all of the other biases that people might have towards her melt away as soon as you realize that she knows her shit because like people get frightened of her yeah and you know there's like one of the one of the many climactic scenes at the end where um (laughs) the swede is running away (laughs) the swede has been found out because he's putting steve buscemi in the wood chipper chipper, and it's just his ankle sticking out (laughs) The, the fucking shot of the blood like splattering onto the snow because uh, his body is going into a wood chipper. It's so gross. It's hilarious. And so amazing. It's so good. Um, 
but he's like the Swede is running away and she's like put your hands up. <laughs> and so she and she's very calm and she's like okay guess I gotta shoot ya in yeah. her mind and she shoots him in the leg in the point leg. blank yeah and he's far away and she's yeah. a really incredible shot and then she just like throws him in the squad car and like takes him away and goes man why'd you do that yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> it's that last scene is super it's really powerful but it's also so fucking simple where she's just like like why would you do that <laughs> basically and it, there's more to life than money you know yeah <laughs> it's just like she can't wrap her head around it but this is like the shit that she deals i mean she doesn't deal with triple homicides all the time but like this is she's she's a cop she deals with the worst of the worst in brainerd minnesota <laughs> right absolutely. but she still has this kind of like she is not naive but some of her like mind like her her principles would be perceived as naive like her values yes exactly where she's like it's not all about money but like you're a fucking cop like you recognize that it is for some people yeah it really is yeah so it's just it's funny to see like her as a domestic partner Mm -hmm. her as a cop her as a like a scolding mother almost Mm -hmm. and then her in that insane scene where they're at like the bar it's her and like her ex-classmate who's like yes. just there and he's like and he's like basically asked her out on a date even though she's she's married and pregnant. and pregnant um and he's like trying to make moves on her and she's like really uncomfortable but she's still very nice yeah and he's like oh my wife died <laughs> and she's like oh i'm sorry i'm so sorry yeah she's just like she's so wide-eyed and kind and simple but she's like equally smart and observant at the same time and what i like even more than that is there's no one who thinks less of her because I feel like that is something common in movies like this with this kind of character it's like they show you this character but then they show you someone who thinks like less of her right and I like that nobody does everyone thinks that she's amazing all this to say where Frances McDormand specifically comes into play is in her like stoic like almost like like unbothered like mm-hmm. definition of unbothered queen like yeah. unbothered but like very caring very nice like very um open to other people mm-hmm. and like open to listening to their problems and who and like what they have to say and like the the special source that Frances McDormand brings to it is like her ability to be very awkward Mm -hmm. and like almost like gawky at the same time as being like, you know, conventionally beautiful or soft or motherly. Like she can really do both, which is imperative for this role correct? because she needs to have some softness to her and also that edge to be the police chief and to be able to solve these murders. Mm -hmm. So her character is brings out like in my opinion the best of Frances McDormand yes I agree and I think I think that something something that really sticks out to me is that like her performance is so genuine and true every step of the way and also something about this environment and these people feels very nostalgic and familiar in a way even though I've never been to this part of the country and I wasn't alive this time etc but like it feels familiar to you in some way but then you kind of like step back and as a whole like experience you realize how over the top it is but because her performance really holding it together as like so genuine and so true it like it tricks you into thinking that it's all familiar and normal and then you're like oh fuck this is really yeah this is a fucking nuts story it it like draws you in with the 
it it completely draws you in from the beginning with this crime story yeah. and you think that it's going to be like this seedy crime movie mm-hmm. and then it snaps you you know in the way that the movie moves it like snaps you back into elements of like domestic life yeah and like everyday living and yeah. and brings you into a side of characters that you don't often get to see like you it's really funny because you as the audience member wonder like well what do they do at night mm-hmm. like because you can only see obviously slices of these characters as lives yeah but you don't get to see everything and so you go i wonder what they're doing at this very moment and it cuts them watching like a television show mm-hmm. and, like falling asleep and it's truly only like I would say like a 30 second, one minute long clip of them truly just like living their domestic life. Yeah. And I love how it goes just back and forth from that and all of like the insane crime shit. And like it it really provides a beautiful like canvas for Frances McDormand to like just fucking paint all over that shit. Cause she, she is in all ways a beautiful leading woman mm-hmm. in the sense that like she can carry the entire thing by herself. But like you said in the beginning, like she comes in at like the 30 minute mark. Mm-hmm. So there's all of this setup for her and she carries the movie the rest of the way through. Yeah. All by herself, basically. Yeah. So the chemistry between her and her husband is incredible. Um, the chemistry between her and um, William H. Macy is just incredible like i love their exchanges every single time she like walks into his office Mm -hmm. and asks him like is interrogating him um and interviewing him she you can tell that she's like about to like say something but Mm -hmm. really like reserves herself and it's really fun to watch i'm a big fan yeah it's really fun to watch a character like this that you would perceive as simple yeah be truly not that simple not at all no like she's so incredibly informed and you get that even though like the lines aren't that complicated etc you know it's it's really really fascinating and then you get like that really lovely reward right at the end in that scene we were talking about where she she has arrested peter stormer and she's driving him in back into town to um I guess, you know, really arrested. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they have this conversation about, or not a conversation, she's talking at him about like, not everything is about money. And then she says, and it's a beautiful day. And like this woman just really appreciates the smallest things in life. And she really values, like she values her life. And so she doesn't understand how someone could just someone could just be that bad yeah. and deprive other people of, of things like this and deprive themselves of it because that's what he's depriving himself of by, you know, murdering people. Cause he's going to go to fucking prison forever. Absolutely. And there's like this beautiful like juxtaposition of mm-hmm. like all of the fucking violence and crime and then bringing it back to like light lighthearted humor, like Francis McDormand's speech at the end is I think some of her best work yeah. because she's able to go through like a, like a range of emotions while also trying to like wrap up the story with like a pretty little bow. Yeah. Because even though the story was like visceral at times and like very challenging and very dark, mm-hmm. um, sh- it's her job to kind of just like, well, let's make it better now. Like, yeah. um, so at the end she's like, you know, she's saying all of these things and she's, she has all these emotions as like a woman, as like a soon to be mother, mm-hmm. as, um, as a police chief, like all of these various emotions. And she's thinking like, what would drive people to do this thing? And like, oh, but I see this all the time. Okay. But like, you know, I'm bringing a child into this, into yeah. this world. And then she ends it with like, and it's a beautiful day. Yeah. Like, it's very, 
it's so exciting to watch something like that and to see her like pick and choose all of these moments to like let you in and then mm-hmm. and then at the and then finally at the end completely closing herself off and going and it's a beautiful day yeah like really just putting her her beautiful flavor into it mm. Mm. i totally Tasty. agree it's i mean she's she's amazing and everything but this is really one of my favorite of her like quirky roles yeah and you know? she's just so funny yeah like she's fucking hilarious hilarious like she has incredible comedic timing mm-hmm. she has incredible instincts <laughs> she's so fucking funny and i think i think people forget that sometimes about yeah. Frances mcdormand is how inherently funny she is and uh she really shines in fargo in fargo oh yeah we love fargo and now we're moving to the second francis film which is uh a lot sadder <laughs> yes it's a lot darker um and that is three billboards outside ebbing missouri which came out in 2017 written and directed by martin mcdonough after months have passed without an arrest in her daughter's murder case, Mildred Hayes, played by Frances McDormand, makes a bold move, painting three billboards leading into her town with a message directed at William Willoughby, uh, played by Woody Harrelson, the town's police chief. When his second in command gets involved, the racist and aggressive Officer Dixon, played by Sam Rockwell, <laughs> the battle between Mildred and Ebbing's law enforcement escalates. So I think that this is Frances McDormand's most like exciting performance Mm -hmm. i would say i think that i think that she plays naturally reserved characters for a lot of her career but i think with this one she was really allowed to like let loose and like be very like visceral and angry and 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 sad like and Mm -hmm. and and i think that with this performance in particular like i've seen her take so many big swings that i just have to say like right off the bat this is probably like her her most exciting performance that she's ever done. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, they the way that the movie starts with her just driving into town, and she acts. It's like total silence other than the score, which is another beautiful score by uh, so Carter Burwell. Yes, he's just like snatching up all. Yeah, of these I mean, projects. he always does the Coen Brothers movies, mm-hmm. but then he also did this one, which is a like Martin McDonough movie, obviously. <laughs> um, and. You know how much I fucking love an actress who can act her ass off through silence. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't speak for, I think like the first 10 minutes and you really, you don't know the details of what happened, but you know, you can like see within her the anger, because I would say that anger is a really big part of this role in all forms. Yeah. Like it is anger that is mostly about grief but an anger that's about vengeance and i think that's her big driving force and you can see that right from the beginning and it's super powerful before you even get into any of the detail absolutely and there's i want to go back to like what you said about like the different like anger that she Mm -hmm. that she shows because it's like you're right there's a series of different angers plural that she goes through there's like brewing anger yeah there's like seething anger there's rage like she she has like even like a silent like brooding anger or yeah. like an anger that like bubbles in the background yes like if if you want to talk about like someone who can do something with only one emotion like Frances mcdormand i have never seen another actor take one emotion throughout an entire motion picture (laughs) and like change it and and completely transform it in a million different ways like especially anger anger is such a difficult emotion as an actor yeah because it's like you can't just like yell 
Like you can yell and like, it'll be fine. And like, mm-hmm. that's a performance. Sure. But that's not the only way to portray anger. Yeah. And I, I agree. think, and that seems to be from what I've hoid, uh, to be a very difficult emotion for actors to like really get themselves into because it's hard. Like anger, anger is like a really scary emotion. Mm-hmm. Sadness. I mean, you just think of like a sad thing and you go, Oh, I'm sad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <hoo-hoo>. Ah, <laughs> Yes. If I cannot cry, bring me the teardrops. Correct. Like, I can do this. Right. But anger, people tend to just kind of like blow their tops off and mm-hmm. like call it a day. But what Francis does in this movie is she like, she has like this weird dial of anger and she turns it up and she turns it down throughout like as the movie moves Mm -hmm. and it it's very very exciting and sometimes very scary to watch yeah she gets like a guttural at some points yeah it's very like you said it's it's fascinating and super impressive because her take on anger is so specific and it's such a unique portrayal of grief and like a form of revenge in a way. Yeah. And she just does it. She does it so well. And I think sometimes seeing emotions like that can get a little boring, even when they are nuanced, you know, watching two hours of someone just be really upset about something (laughs) can get really fucking boring. Yeah. But you really, you like really support her because her, she's so stern and like simmering the whole time. And you as an audience member, do not question her at all. You know as not much as she bit. does that like this is just how things need to be mm-hmm. in order for any kind of progress to get made. Yeah, it's like a driving force. Like I would I would go so far as to say anger is like its own fucking character in this movie yeah. because anger is the thing that drives everything in this movie. It's the catalyst for every action in this movie. Anytime someone does something that gets another character angry, mm-hmm. it that is the thing that drives the movie forward is this like character of anger and the yeah. way that like anger moves through this fictional town and yeah. how everyone reacts to each other and how everyone like takes up space in the town. Like there are obviously like the stereotypes of like the Southerners in mm-hmm. the Southern town, like sitting on the porch, drinking beer or whatever, whatever. But as you like look into their lives and like see what, like why they are doing what they're doing. Like everyone has anger that has driven them to, to be the way that they are. Yeah. For example, Sam Rockwell's character. Oh my God. <laughs> Officer Dixon, Sam. who is, oh. Oh, Sam Rockwell is sneaky. We're, we're going to have to do an episode oh, about him soon. He's because a sneaky bastard. He's like, I, I would say he's similar to how I feel about Daniel Kaluuya. And yeah. I am so excited to see him in shit. The older he gets, the more they give him to do. And yes. the better he, he, the better he gets yes. like, oh my God, like Sam Rockwell in this fucking movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Like he and Francis like match made in fucking heaven. I know match made in heaven. He plays like the racist, angry, like oddball cop mm-hmm. who's like a, he thinks he's like above the law basically basically but at the same time is like very like oh yeah like oh i love authority like yes like the chain Mm -hmm. of command mm -hmm, mm -hmm. respect respect for cops yes 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 yes. like which is so bizarre because he's so outside of the law but at the same time like respects authority yeah and he's also kind of like he's not stupid but he acts stupid yeah like like and maybe it's just because he's afraid of Frances McDormand because mm-hmm. she, anytime they have an interaction oh. for like, I would say the first two thirds of the movie before they kind of start seeing eye to yeah. eye. Yeah. Like 
she fucking her presence throws him off <laughs> all the time like, like she totally disarms him yes which is hilarious and it makes him so angry yes. right so like back to like the anger driving everything it makes him angry and he like the way that he reacts mm-hmm. to people is out of pure anger yeah and a lot of it has to do with the fact that like you know this is the only thing he has going for him mm-hmm. back at home it's just his mom and his mom is like he's like the classic like mama's boy Correct. like she does everything for him blah mm-hmm. blah blah. but like you can't help but look at the people in this town and be like yeah y'all have a lot to be angry about yeah <laughs> y'all have a lot to be angry about y'all are like living in this insane town where people are like all up in each other's business no one has a second of privacy to themselves um, the cops are fucking rampant pigs. Like they're just like, like arresting people left and right for God knows what. They make it a point in the movie. Frances McDormand has multiple lines where she's like, "How come you guys are like focused on like arresting you know the black folks in this town for doing nothing? Yeah, and you can't find any of that time to like arrest my daughter. Like how like you're basically like their their racism is showing mm-hmm. like their skewed perceptions of the law is showing like their preferences are showing like all of it's showing and it sucks and it just makes everyone so angry. Yeah. And people are also angry because they can't say anything about it because then they'll get arrested. And it's just like this vicious cycle of just anger and yeah. like hatred. And so Sam Rockwell provides this like lovely like comedic like flavor to the film Mm -hmm. and it's like it provides some really good relief to a lot of what's happening because this movie is very sad yeah but unfortunately when he like he's funny he's funny so often but like obviously from a really dark place right but when he lashes out it's fucking terrifying it's terrifying it's absolutely terrifying like when he throws caleb landry jones who oh my god who's also amazing in this movie i love i love him so much when he throws him out the window and starts beating the shit out of him yeah that's like it was scary it was so scary (laughs) it was so fucking scary to watch someone lash out out of such pure hatred and anger and like like he punches a woman in the nose yeah and then just like runs downstairs and yeah. beats the shit out of this guy with people watching and he's a cop and then he just walks back into the police station yeah and no one is gonna do a single fucking thing about it yeah it's horrifying it's fucking terrifying a lot of this movie has to do with like handling truth and like mm-hmm. accepting what's happened yeah and like moving on from that right because no one can move on from anything everyone holds like a grudge like the town is like just a giant town of people or a small town of like people holding these giant grudges all the time Mm -hmm. and there is no way like the only thing driving Frances McDormand's character is the sheer fact that she wants to find the fucker who like did this to her daughter yeah and like and like dot 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 like it's very unclear what she actually wants and even at the end of the film when they're like going after Mm -hmm. by they i mean uh francis mcdormand and sam rockwell who team up at the end like it's a fucking like it's a fucking superhero movie and then it's a buddy cop movie and then it's a buddy cop movie and then that's uh three bill four billboards outside of a so um and so they like team up at the end even then it's unclear what her end game is right because it's almost like she's afraid to find out the truth and to and to face the person who did this to her. Mm-hmm. And every time she thinks about what happened, it's almost like she puts a block up. Like Frances McDormand has this incredible 
quality to her acting where like whenever she's you can tell whenever like the cogs are turning in her mind yeah whenever she like silences them and goes you know what no i'm gonna focus on the task at hand and distract myself from feeling like i fucking failed as a mother yeah and when her ex-husband like comes in with what's her face Uh, what's her name samara weaving oh my god (laughs) i saw it on a bookmark (laughs) she's hilarious she's so funny in this she's which she's in she's the star in ready or not yeah. and oh my god she's incredible in that movie too if you haven't seen ready or not so go good. watch that she's <laughs> so good in this i cannot wait to see what else she does she has impeccable comedic time she has she's an incredible comedic actress yeah. oh mm, so good yeah she plays the 19 year old girlfriend who's like works at the zoo but then got fired and like now works at like a horse place yeah <laughs> She's the girlfriend of Frances McDormand's ex-husband, who, mind you, is like in his fifties. Yeah, and they're all like in their like late, like mm-hmm. like early fifties, mid fifties. Yeah, but this bitch is like nineteen. Yep, <laughs> and like <laughs> acts nineteen. Yep. Um. So anyway, it it shows a lot in like when her when her ex when Frances McDormand's character's ex-husband comes in and like starts talking to her about like all of the stuff that her daughter had told him Mm -hmm. before she had been murdered yeah she was he was like yeah like you know she said that she wanted to live with me and you can see um francis mcdormand like start to break down like like brick by brick it's so fascinating to watch because as he says these words you can tell that she's telling herself that's not true Mm -hmm. that's not true like it's okay everything's fine you did everything you could you're currently doing everything that you can but as he as he speaks you can tell that like every brick that tells her tells herself that like starts to break down and then she fucking blames herself yeah and it is that scene damn i know i mean it doesn't help that he fucking throws her against a wall and like it's it's it gets heated yeah it gets very heated yeah yeah and those moments like you were saying where she does break down they happen so seldom in the movie that they're so so rewarding Mm -hmm. because obviously what she does best in this movie is really nuanced versions of anger and she also uses silence incredibly well like i was reading a review about this movie that says that she can do more with a withering glare than most actresses can do with a monologue true which is fucking spot on that's so true acts through the the look on her face through her like hardened face yeah like so fuck i've never seen another actor who can do it as well as she does but then when she has these moments when she breaks down it's so powerful because you can tell that being angry is how she feels in control because everything about this is out of her control her daughter's death was out of her control and now solving it is completely out of control so she doesn't like let herself be sad or be vulnerable or even be like caught off guard that or maternal to her other child who is still living exactly like you very rarely get to see her maternal side and i think one like beautiful moment where it comes out isn't even with her kid it's with woody harrelson who's amazing oh and it's when she he is interrogating her because she has drilled a hole through the dentist's finger which (laughs) by the way he was legit like trying to like bring her some pain yeah, because yeah, yeah. she of the billboard because was, of the billboards and so yeah then she puts a dentist dental drill through his thumb which is which is gnarly. hilarious and also like i had to turn away <laughs> yeah, because like so disgusting. i get my nails done and uh, <laughs> no 
But so Woody Harrelson is interrogating her and you have already found out that he has really progressive cancer and he's dying. Yeah. And and in her mind, she's like, who gives a fuck? Everyone's dying. You need to do something about my daughter. Yeah. And she has that line where Mm -hmm. he asks why she did the billboards. Like, why couldn't she have just waited until he was dead? She said, well, they're not going to do me much good after After you you broke. I know. (laughs) Which is amazing. But yeah, so he's questioning her and then out of nowhere, he coughs and like chokes blood, blood all over her all over her face and they're both like what the fuck yeah but she immediately goes into mom mode right and she does for those like 10 seconds doesn't give a shit about like him not solving her daughter's murder she's just worried about him yeah and she's she, like don't i think she calls him baby yeah she goes she goes because he goes i didn't mean to and yeah. she goes it's okay baby like i know yeah I know, it's okay and it's heartbreaking and it's so heartbreaking and in that so like there is maybe two or three seconds of utter silence between woody harrelson and francis mcdormand in this film and it is at this moment and they're both just staring at each other and a million emotions run through both of them where she goes it's it's disbelief and then it's like oh my god like this actually just happened it's like disbelief and then recognition Mm -hmm. and then it's like oh man, we were just in this heated argument. It's like almost guilt. And then it's like, no, like forget all the emotions. We have to solve this problem. He's hurting. I need to put everything aside and help him. So it's like between both of them and for him, it's like, I can't believe this just happened. What the fuck? And then fear. Mm -hmm. And so between both of them, the amount of emotions you get in this like three seconds of fucking silence mm-hmm. is like that. In a, that the silence deserves an, an Oscar. Yes. The yeah. silence between Woody Harrelson and <laughs> Frances McDormand deserves an Oscar. Yeah. And then she, you see in her eyes that she makes the choice to care for him rather mm-hmm. than like take advantage of the situation and be like, ha ha, fuck you. Goodbye. Right. And that really does speak to her character at the end of the day. And that's what differentiates her from someone like Sam Rockwell, Mm -hmm. where their anger can peak in such explosive ways. But at the end of the day, like she will usually choose the more caring path. Right. I I, uh, asterisk for the scene where she lights the police station. Yeah, where she just legit, just like, she she literally goes, because she tries to call multiple times to make sure no one's in the building. Then she just goes, nah, fuck it. Literally, like that's her line. throws like, six molotov cocktails into the building she's like fuck it Mm -hmm. lights on fire (laughs) throws it and then just like she's in a hoodie it's just a whole like it's such a vibe only peter dinklage is there (laughs) oh my god i completely when i turned this movie on i had seen it before Uh, totally forgot that peter dinklage was in this movie he's so good at this so good which like please 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 put Peter Dinklage in more movies. <laughs> Correct. Like, please. He's, so, he's such a good fucking actor. He's so good. And he like held his own next to Francis. And they're like, so funny together. Oh, they're so funny. Even together. though like their scene was really, really awkward. Gut-wrenching. Like, I yeah. feel a lot of secondhand embarrassment when I watch things. And that scene, I was just like, the thing is i felt secondhand embarrassment for both of them yeah 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 totally yeah so like in that scene when peter dinklage and francis mcdormand are on like a the date that she Mm -hmm. like promised him yes they like run into her (laughs) ex-husband and and the girl (laughs) and the zoo girl and samara 
<laughs> I don't even know if that's how you say her name. I, I think it is. Uh, who knows? It doesn't matter. She's hilarious. <laughs> um, and they, you know, it ends up going really sour because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I don't want to be here. Like, I'd rather go home. And he's like, you know, like, I didn't like, you know, it's okay. Like, we can maybe like, I forget exactly what he says, but he's like being very nice about it. Yeah. And she's like, you know, you forced me to come here. Like, I'm just here because you forced me to. And you can tell like, he just got so hurt. And he was like, forced. Like, I asked you on this date. Yeah. Like, like I asked, actually wanted to be here with you. Exactly. Like, I like you as a human being and like wanted to be in your company. He was yeah. like, I know like we were never gonna like fuck like it's not like that's that was ever gonna happen between us but like i like being in your company and i thought maybe we could have a good time and you can just tell that like like francis mcdormand's character has never been in the position since her daughter had died of like utter and complete like oh like i fucked up this time like my anger placed at the whole world for like for wronging me and my Mm -hmm. daughter like now I'm the one who's like fucked up basically. Like yeah. my husband who beat on me, like he fucked up. That was his part. Like our marriage failed because he beat on me and like yeah. I left him. And my, you know, my daughter, the only reason my daughter does is because someone murdered and raped her. Like mm-hmm. that's on them. They hurt me. Like everyone else like, you know, hurt her. Yeah. But she was finally in a position where she like really hurt someone who didn't deserve it. Yeah. Who wasn't in a position of power that could, that could help her or wasn't in a position of power to like shake it off. Like it was someone who really tried to help her and she turned them away. Mm-hmm. And you can tell like all of these emotions like going through her and like all of these thoughts. And he really puts her in her place. And I think told her something that she needed to hear. Yeah. Which was like, bro, you're not a catch. Like <laughs> you are, you, you a damn hoe. Like swipe left. <laughs> swipe left. Like no Francis. Like, and essentially told her like, you've been all consumed with this rage and like mm-hmm. trying to figure out what happened to your daughter. But like in that you don't smile. You're not, not, you don't have a single kind thing to say about anyone. Yeah. And you're saying like, I'm like the shit person to be with? Like, nah, girl, bye. (laughs) Yeah, it's that realization for her and it only comes for a minute. It doesn't stick around too long. It really doesn't because she's like, she's gotten very good at like- You can't blame her for it not sticking around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You can only hope that it eventually, like she'll figure it out eventually. But it's the realization that she, there will come a time where this can't matter anymore. Yeah. And that's fucking terrifying for her. And I mean, of course, it will always be impactful and sad and horrible that this thing happened to her daughter. Yeah. But there's gonna have to be a point in time where it just cannot affect, it can't consume her entirely anymore. Right. And that's terrifying for her, which is why she go up, goes on to still be an asshole for most of the movie. Exactly. And But you still feel that sympathy because- it was such a terrible thing and her crusade yeah. like this crusade that she has of like getting justice it's that's what she's seeking here yes she's seeking true and proper justice because law enforcement is not delivering exactly and so you can only help but feel like this empathy towards her mm-hmm. because you know there have been situations where maybe not to the scale but you've been wronged and you're seeking justice mm-hmm. and you know what that feels like for like the balances not to be or for like the scales to not be balanced yeah like you get that 
And so if you just if you're just with her on that level, on like the fundamental level of these scales are not balanced, like justice has not been served. Yeah. Then you ride with her. She's your like your ride or die throughout this movie. Yeah. I don't think there's too many moments where you judge her. And if you do, you don't continue to. You're like, that maybe wasn't the best decision, but you still accept her Mm -hmm. and you're kind of like on her side. And then you do get rewarded at times like like that moment where she's sitting next to the billboard and she's trimming the flowers or whatever she's doing and the deer comes over and like that's the only time in the movie where she actually gets sad and like kind of breaks down and starts crying um and it's such like you never get to see Mildred aka Francis be vulnerable right and of course she's only vulnerable when literally only a fucking deer is watching. Yeah, or she's only really funny when only she's around. Like mm-hmm. when she like in that bit where she like is sitting on the edge of her bed and she's wearing these like bunny slippers and she's like making the bunny slippers like talk to each other. She's like, Are you gonna go fuck up some motherfuckers? Yeah, I am. Like <laughs> like really like she can only really be funny and like herself and like mm-hmm. break down in front of herself because yeah. like there is no vulnerability in front of anyone when she's seeking revenge when she's seeking justice yeah so francis has really just brought this character to new levels of depth this was already an incredibly well-written film it's an it's an amazing amazing movie like Um, with incredible characters that have a tremendous amount of depth but like you put her character that's already so good like if you if you put anyone in that role like that role could have come out great Mm -hmm. but she she made it phenomenal yeah yeah, she really personalized the role in a weird way. Um, yeah, it's just fucking amazing. 11 out of 10. 11 out of 10. So good. <laughs> All right, Monica, what is the final film? It's the final film. Yeah. So this is the film of the year. The literally, yeah. literally, because, you know. <laughs> it won Best Picture. It just won an Oscar. <laughs> uh, so this is the film of the year. If you haven't seen this film, stop what you're doing right now. Go to Hulu. It's it's the one with the license plates. Yes. <laughs> Click on that one. And then it's gonna say like rated R. Or it's and like a it's like a cheeky picture of Francis like peeking over her shoulder. Yeah, it's one or the other. It's truly one or the other. Yeah, it's the license plates or that. <laughs> or that. So go to your Hulu. If you if you don't have one, borrow one. If if someone didn't borrow they they still do like the free trial thing. So go yeah, do that. Go do it. Uh it's called Nomad Land and it came out this year, twenty twenty one, written and directed by Chloe Zhao based on the book by Jessica Bruder or Brudder, whatever. Brudder. Brudder, Brudder, baby. <laughs> Following the economic collapse of a company town in rural Nevada, <laughs> after, the, <laughs> after the 2008 recession, Fern, played by Frances McDormand, packs her van and sets off on the road exploring a life outside of conventional society as a modern day nomad. Yes. Before we begin, <laughs> would you ever be a nomad? No why um well uh first of all i think i'd be too afraid i think i would be Mm -hmm. really concerned about safety right um also shitting in a bucket doesn't sound fun um also just like the maintenance like it's it's a lot of fucking work it's a lot of work yeah it's more work living out of a van than it is living out of a house i think in a lot of ways true you have to just like constantly be cleaning out your fucking makeshift toilet and like <laughs> why are you so fixated on the toilet because that's horrible I, I just think it's so <laughs> terrible and gross to me and like you never really know when you're next gonna find water so you don't like you know shit like that i just no and i don't like being dirty 
I mean, I feel that. I feel that. I really do. Would you be a nomad? It's very appealing to me in the sense of like, I have no like ties to like I'm off the grid in sure. a sense. So like that part of it's really appealing to me. I wish that I were taller or like bigger mm-hmm. so that I was more of a threat because yeah. my main concern like you is safety. Yeah. I'm five two. I'm very petite. <laughs> so, um, and I'm not very strong. <laughs> so if like someone were to come and like try and steal my fan, I would probably just stand there because there's nothing I could do about it. Um, and also like, I, I love the idea of like trying to like Tetris a van together. Like that's, that's also really appealing to me. Okay. Um, I enjoy podcasts, so I feel like I could, I could drive with them. Sure. And I'm also like deeply introverted. So like, yeah, I, I feel like I would be very energized because no one would talk to me. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Those are all the pros. The cons are like, I personally, I don't mind shitting in a bucket. I really that don't. That sounds fucking disgusting. I also don't right? mind shitting outside. I don't mind that. No. I don't mind peeing outside. No. Um, what I do mind though, is like all of the maintenance of the van. Yeah. Like I hate cars in general. I wouldn't want to like take it to the mechanic every five seconds mm-hmm. because there's something wrong with it. Like I would probably just buy a new one every time, which is like not sustainable. So <laughs> buy a new van. Yeah. <laughs> that so, you would then have to customize again exactly which yeah. is like unsustainable so neither one of us would make it as nomads no, but no. it's a fun thought it is it is an interesting thought for sure the thing the thing that i found interesting about this movie and i don't know if this is just because it never happened but like they never really show you moments of like danger yeah <laughs> which maybe in the book they that just didn't apply well i don't know i think <laughs> i think the um oscar award winning director would probably say like they just wanted to make it like more appeal like sure just show like the lighter sides of yeah. of the nomad life than anything else and like really only focus on that because I think it's more about like the story of Frances McDormand's character right. than anything and because she never was in really any danger yeah I guess they never really showed it yeah but I guess it could. I guess, it, I mean, there is danger, period. Sure. There are times when like people were knocking on her van and she was like, what? And I was like, oh, this is when she dies. Yeah, like, I was this like, is okay, it. this is the assault scene. This is Great. the end, like, <laughs> goodbye. So anyway, yeah. Um, so Nomadland, it is, in my opinion, an incredible film. It feels like very much like a documentary. Yeah. It's very quiet and minimal if you can even call a movie that because movies take like so much money and time yes. to make. So, um, but- the end product right is this like beautifully minimal expansive like gorgeous little film yeah and um Frances McDormand is the star of it and really she's the only real true character in this Mm -hmm. film there are other characters in the film that that follow her in like her endeavors and that she meets along the way but no one that really like sticks with her other than that one guy I don't remember the character's name, but I know that the actor's name is David Strathern. Um, and you've seen him in stuff before. You know exactly. his face. He's great. And um, he's f- fantastic, but he is the other, he's like, the only other actor. Yeah. Everyone else in this movie is a real fucking nomad. Yeah. Which is so cool. It's cause they're brilliant. also so good. Yeah. And they're also so good. And I think, I think it's because they're like speaking from the heart. Yeah. Right? It's like, they're speaking from true experiences and um, like I sobbed after um, what's her name. I was going to say Swayze. That's not her name. Is it, bl- is it like... It starts with an S. Slinky. 
Yes. It's like, oh, swanky. 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 She's the character from Toy Story. Slink. Ah, slink. Um, Swanky was talking to Frances McDormand's character, Fern, about like how she's has she has cancer mm-hmm. and it's like terminal. She's going to die. They she has like six, seven, eight months to live, and she would much prefer to do it out here seeing the sights than in a hospital bed and there's so much like joy in the stories that she's recounting to fern and in the way that she like shares the accounts of the things like she's so ready like you know she she's explaining to fern how she has like she is like she's seen so many incredible things yeah and she just has these stories completely at the ready where she's like I saw like a, a whole family of meese, of, of mooses, <laughs> a moose family. And she's like so happy. And she's like, and I saw all these birds and like I saw, and it was like, I was like, I was flying with the birds because you could see like their reflection on the water and like they were all around me. And it was like, I was there. Mm-hmm. And like in the way that she was telling Fern this, I was like very moved because it just seemed very genuine and real. And like, as if, those were her true experiences which i'm sure they are Mm -hmm. and she has no real regrets in this new life of hers yeah because she is forging it herself yeah and i think that's what's so appealing about like the nomad life Mm -hmm. is that you are forging your own life there's nothing around you that is inhibiting you from going to 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 x place y place z place and the only thing that's like really stopping you from any permanence is yourself Mm -hmm. right and, you know, that's why they say, like, we'll see you down the road. Like, we never say, like, a final goodbye because you know that you'll eventually see a person down the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a super, super moving movie. And like you said, it does kind of seem like a documentary in a lot of ways. Like, it's not that it's 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 a linear story, but it does kind of like bounce around between locations. Mm-hmm. And it's not like there's this kind of, there's not like a through line of like plot. No. Which is, I think the exciting part because it's kind of, it's very similar to being a nomad. Like there's no destination. It's just about so living yeah. and the experience. Mm-hmm. And it's it was a very like refreshing movie. And obviously getting to see it through the lens of Francis is amazing because she's known for playing she's usually known for playing these like really like quirky over the top characters who are super unforgettable and that's not to say that Fern is forgettable but like she's probably the most subtle character of Francis's career absolutely like it was and we were talking about this the other day like it's really hard to articulate what she's doing because I'm like I I can't see it but I know that she's doing the most incredible work I've seen her do yeah with specifically this role like with the fern role she plays up like her awkwardness Mm -hmm. in the sense like not in the sense that she's not sociable right because to be a nomad is to like welcome community almost yeah so you have to wherever you go go up to someone and say hi and say like do you want to trade for this like do you want this like is there something i can get you is there something that you have for me or like or to just say hi right you have to be sociable in that way like you have to be able to come up to someone and ask them something or else like it's a very lonely life on the road (laughs) like um okay so with fern it's not so much that her awkwardness is like bad but because she's lived so much of her 
life as a nomad completely alone, it's hard for her to integrate herself into a, a large group of people. Like for example, mm-hmm. there is the like scene towards the end of the film at the barbecue when she goes to visit her sister for some money to fix up her van she's like kind of a little bit awkward around everyone and she doesn't really know what to say. And she is very quiet and like kind of mousy Mm -hmm. and, but she's kind of that way throughout the whole film. She's just very like timid almost, but at the same time, very confident and very sure of herself. Yeah. It's like, it's really hard to put your finger on. Like she, it's almost like she's really weird. Yeah. She's just like very weird. (laughs) She's just like a really weird person who, when she says things, she says things very matter of factly. And she is very, she's not like a serious person, but she's never like fucking around. She's never like joking with you. She just like, she's incredibly honest and isn't afraid to say things. And when you see her interacting that way with the nomads, it seems super normal because the rest of them they're are also like that. weird but yeah. then when you see her in real life not real life but you know what i mean in uh traditional society yeah yeah, uh, yeah. you're like this woman is crazy yeah <laughs> yeah and you know there's the just the part of it all that Frances mcdormand like really shines in is just the fact that she has to internalize so much mm-hmm. there's no one for her to talk to to get it out and yeah her role in this movie is to really just listen to the stories. Yeah. She doesn't do a whole lot of talking in this movie. No. A lot of it is just, we are peering into her day-to-day life, which most of it is being a listener, Mm -hmm. being quiet, like, you know, singing to herself, playing the flute. Like she's, which is such a funny scene. (laughs) She's like sitting cross-legged in her, in her van and she's like playing the flute. And then she's like, oh no, (laughs) like something's about to happen. And And then, then shits in a bucket and then shits in a bucket which is apparently jessica's like worst nightmare i'm sorry i just really don't want to do it yeah so um with you know within that she's just we don't hear her say a lot like she doesn't have like a sweeping monologue there's no like there's no intense conversation there's no intense dialogue with her like we are truly guided by her in the sense that like as an audience member we are listening Mm -hmm. we are listening to the stories of the nomads and like we are listening to people tell her their stories and their life and their wants and their needs their desires and she so rarely gets to open up about any of that so when she does open her mouth we're like what yeah what do you have to say and that's and that's how it manages to not be boring Mm -hmm. because i honestly i was worried that this movie would be boring really (laughs) yeah oh you did say that didn't you where you were like i don't know if i'm gonna like it we'll see yeah well because i i talked to a couple people about this movie and most of them liked it but then some of them were like yeah it was fine what (laughs) oh my god so i was really concerned that it we would be boring because it is a it's a slow movie very slow it's very slow intentionally and but like I never got bored because when she would talk, it was so exciting. But also even when she wasn't talking, she puts so much like life and story behind every fucking move that she makes. And everything she does and says is so intentional. And it's so like deeply seated in truth for her that you're just like, you can't take your eyes off of her. I mean, it helps that she's in every scene. Exactly. (laughs) And you know, there's I can't help but think about the scene at the end when she goes back to the town um which at the top of the movie it like tells you in words with letters on the Mm -hmm. screen that like this town that she lived in 
um, after the recession, like the plant that was like the main source of income for everyone in the town, like the main place where people got their work, Mm -hmm. um, it shut down. And so like, and they retired the zip code, which I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. Like I did not know that you could They're basically fucking do just that. like this place doesn't exist. Yeah. Anymore. They're basically we're like, we're like, you know what? It's hard enough to keep this alive. Like let's just kill it all. Let's like, <laughs> let's uh, it's over now. It's over now. Yep. Everyone go home. I mean, ooh, everyone good. Get out of your home. <laughs> so she visits this town and it's completely abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like no one's there. There's like maybe one or two people. She has to go back to her storage, her storage closet thing. And she's like, I don't need any of this shit. Really. She just wanted to go back for the memories. Mm -hmm. And she like steps into her house and like, she's saying nothing, mind you, there are no words coming out of her mouth, but she's like showing us through her like movements, like how she's feeling and like what she, what she had and like what she has now are two vastly different things. And they're both, so necessary for her to live she wants to continue to remember everything that had happened to her and she wants to keep like for example her husband's memory Mm -hmm. alive yeah but she also knows that like she she loves what is unknown Mm -hmm. which is so bizarre for a lot of people like a lot of people would say that they fucking hate the unknown yeah but for her it's the thing that's keeping her alive and keeping her going yeah yeah, I I think the thing that stuns me most about this movie and her performance is just like, I guess like the purity of it. Mm-hmm. I feel, and that's not to say that like things aren't nuanced because they are and they have to be, especially with so much silence. But like she is so purely intentioned all of the time and you don't get to see that that often, especially when people are actually genuine mm-hmm. while being, you know, purely intention and so like her emotions are that much more raw and in a way kind of like childlike to me yeah because for children when they feel something it's very fucking straightforward right about how they're feeling and why they're feeling that way and I think she's exactly the same like like when uh the guy when he breaks her plate oh my god (laughs) when he breaks the dishes and she literally turns into a toddler and she goes go over there yeah she's like go over there and then she just stands there with her head like down. And he's like, you don't have to yell. And she's like, go over there. Go over there. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I've never seen a character like this before. And she does such a good job because it's just like, again, I'm like a broken record, but it's just so honest. It's very honest. It's and it's and it's very pure. And it's it's just lovely. And I I've never ever in my life seen a movie like Nomadland. Yeah, and same. for Frances McDormand to helm it, it's like it was just such a treat to watch it the couple times that I did because I I can't describe it. Like I think that you really just have to go watch it. It's yeah. it's a very unique movie and there are so many genuine moments in it that yes it is slow and yes it is not for everyone but there are so many genuine moments in it that you you truly are like you feel almost like you are disrupting someone's life by watching it mm-hmm. you feel as though you are you're there like and and if you say anything you're going to like disrupt what's going on in yeah. the same way that like Francis's character is listening mm-hmm. you are also listening and so if you speak like your voice will take up the space and that's not what you want you want everyone else to have the space yeah so it's it's i love the movie it's, it's so, so good, good. And, and there she's so good there's a lot of uh, i think there are a lot of really like cute funny moments in it that it, bring a lot of humanity to it yeah it's great oh 10 out of 10 so good well that was francis that was francis a lot a lot there she's funny she's 
she's quiet, she's loud, she's everything. Yeah, I think what I like about her general, just in general as a performer, as an icon, is that like acting is such serious business for her. Yeah. Like she's really like, she doesn't fuck around. She doesn't fuck around. <laughs> and she's so well respected mm-hmm. and she doesn't like give a shit about her own fame. No. She's just like, she knows she's famous, but like- She's just like, I, I'm here to do the work. Yeah. She's like, I'm here to like tell the story. Yeah. That, that's what I'm here to do. Yeah. And, and it's just so refreshing to see a woman of her caliber doing what she does, mm-hmm. doing what she loves and like coming out on top every single time. Mm-hmm. And like, you can just tell that she fucking loves it. Like she just loves what she does and she loves finding these like little, little pocket stories that she can, she can bring out into like the spotlight. Cause she knows this bitch knows yeah. that she's like famous famous, if you will. <laughs> famous. So yeah. Ugh, I just so love good. this bitch. So good. Well, Monica, what's your dabble? So I have a very interesting dabble for you today. Um, I have been very into, um, I have to pull up the account, but I've been very into following this Instagram account, which if you guys aren't following this Instagram account, who are you? It's called at coffee Bay 97. Oh, I am not following this account. Oh my God. Coffee okay. Bay 97. Yes. Coffee Bay. C O F F E E B A E 97. And, um, it is the best account on Instagram, like hands down. <laughs> Um, it's essentially this like girl woman. I'm not hundred percent sure like who she is or like what she does or whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is she makes these incredible, incredible like coffee concoctions on her Instagram. And she's been doing this like all pandemic long. It's like the thing that's gotten me through basically wow. the last like couple of weeks, because like I found it just a few weeks ago and I've just been watching it every single day and it's brought me so much joy Wow. she like makes all this coffee it's like super aesthetic or whatever and it, it like it's like on her like marble marble like uh countertop, countertop and it's like in direct sunlight so you can see all the ice it's so icy <laughs> and like i love ice so like and she uses so much ice i love ice well she uses a <laughs> lot of ice and like it brings me a tremendous amount of joy yeah um and it's just so good it's my favorite account on instagram go give it a follow um again at coffee bay 97 massive plug she's so good oh, and wow um yeah that's my dabble it's just like just sit there and like watch these videos it brings me so much peace Incredible. like your stupid b videos i love my b videos get off my ass <laughs> <laughs> i love the bees uh what is your dabble uh okay well you know about this already no i don't but yeah <laughs> yesterday i got electrolysis done on my face which is very exciting and maybe boring for some of the people listening right now tell the listeners it's what it so is so exciting for me so basically it is a hair removal technique service uh, <laughs> procedure um where and it's permanent or it's eventually permanent you have to do it multiple times um but they take like a very it's like a little needle and it's very hot and they insert it into your hair follicle and then they zap you uh, in each hair follicle to kill it, basically. Mm-hmm. To murder it. To murder it. In and cold then, blood. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and then they pull the hairs out and then you leave with a bare face, but you have to come back every like hair growth cycle, et cetera. Um, and so I'm sporting a very like red chin today, but I'm so excited, but it also hurt a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, like, like why would someone want to go get this? 
Uh, if you, I mean, if you want permanent hair removal and laser isn't going to work for you because laser isn't permanent, Mm -hmm. it will take it away for a long time or like thin it out, but it'll come back eventually. And some people it comes back like even worse. Oh no. Um, some people also suffer really bad scarring from laser and electrolysis. If you go to someone good, uh, and I went to like one of the best people on the East side and um, your like your skin will be fine. And my I'm very fair, and I have really sensitive skin, so I was really concerned about obviously having a hot needle stuck into my face a hundred times. But uh, yeah, I think I'm doing good. So. How thin is this needle? Because it has to go into like a pore. It's thi- it's as thin as that. No way. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see it because, so they don't want you to watch it happen. So they put a towel over your eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> and you just feel it. And- it, it literally feels like someone held a sewing needle in a flame and then pushed it into your skin for like pricked you, but just slightly too long over and over again. Oh, <laughs> dude, that's going to be a nerve for me, dog. Nar, ar, nar. <laughs> I mean, I've never gotten a tattoo, but I have to imagine it's no worse than no, that pain. it's chilling. Yeah. I have to. Uh, like, tattoos. It, it didn't feel good, but I was able to do an entire hour of it without stopping. Yeah, no. Tattoos feel like if like your cat was scratching you 5,000 times, but like it's soft. Yeah, I don't know. This, that may not be everyone's experience. I have a like, very... Zap, stop, zap, stop. You know, there's like a... Zap, stop, zap, stop, zap, stop, zap, stop, zap, 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 zip, zap, zap, zip, zap, zap. Yeah, so that's my dabble. Um... Getting rid of all of my chin hairs. Chinny chin chin. Chinny chin chin. Just cute lady things. Just cute lady things. Yeah. When you get <laughs> have to get rid of your beard. Yeah. When you're a woman, that's just what you have to do. Yes, for all you men's out there, we get rid of all of this hair and you say nothing. Yeah, I mean, you you never know. You never know. <laughs> Most of them have no idea that it was even there. No idea. No idea at all. Like you don't know that I like pluck my mustache hairs no no one knows that or shave my toes yeah (laughs) yeah i shave my toes all the time the beard that's growing out of my toes yeah that's that gets shaved so to every i mean you also don't have to do any of this no you don't have to but like we do we do and like like i like we don't have to we just do it is what i'm saying i have a full-on mustache yeah so <laughs> now we have the combo together. Yeah. If you put us together, it's a combination. Yeah, combo beard. Yeah, co- mustache beard combo. Yeah, exactly. It works out. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway. Well, now we have a question. Yes. Ooh, from who? This is from Allison in Seattle. Oh. If you could have a daddy themed birthday party, which daddy would you choose and name three activities or food slash drink that you would incorporate at the party in order to be on theme? What a question. Such a big question that Monica and I had to decide on this before. Yeah, so, so don't be impressed if you're like, oh, they thought of that on the spot. We've, we've been thinking about it for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so mine would be Jason Siegel. Great. Uh, and the drinks would be pina coladas from Forgetting Sarah Marshall and also, quote unquote, just rum rum and pineapple juice <laughs> from also from forgetting sarah marshall the entertainment would be jason siegel and paul rudd in the rendition of a slap at a bass from i love you man uh and then there would be the muppets in their breakfast bar <laughs> they're all there serving you breakfast 
And then for like an activity, they would all make their own hunting jacket from the five-year engagement. This so is like, incredible. instead of like onesies, like, you know, those like plain onesies from like a baby shower, yeah. it's like plain hunting jackets. And then they all make their own camo with like yeah. puffy paint. Amazing. I want to go to that party. Let's do it. Incredible. <laughs> Mine would be Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm, of course. We love him. Uh, so first of all, everyone has to be naked, like the locker scene or the mm. shower scene from yes. school ties. Yes. Ev- like everyone has to be naked. Everyone has to be naked. Yes. Um, for a game, we would play that toilet paper game where you turn each other into mummies. Yes. Because <laughs> obviously the mummy. Obviously. Uh, my cocktail is called the nice girl from Pasadena. Incredible. <laughs> like from Blast from the Past. Love it. And it's warm Dr. Pepper. It's a warm Dr. Pepper cocktail. Incredible. So like a hot toddy, you can choose the alcohol that goes into it. Incredible. Um, and uh, finally, <laughs> the PF difference oh uh, yes yes the food would be watch out for that brie <laughs> <laughs> like watch out for that tree watch out for that brie uh, and it would be a baked brie that is filled with like herbs and shit like twigs and yeah and like leaves just a tree branch from the jungle yep Yep, yep, yep. watch out for that brie Woo! oh <laughs> well those are our daddy parties yeah, that's their daddy we'll parties. Um, which, if you didn't know, for John Favreau's birthday, which comes once a year, and we really, we really <laughs> like celebrate most birthdays it. Birthdays do. Um, uh, we did a John Favreau themed party where we like put up a shrine and Jessica baked a cake. I did, yeah. And by shrine, I mean like we printed out one picture from the internet <laughs> and like put it on the wall. <laughs> Um and uh we sung him some happy birthday. We watched the Thora. Zathora. Zathora. And uh <laughs> you'll never see it. You'll never hear it. You'll never hear the episode that we recorded during watching Zathura. It'll never happen. Maybe <laughs> maybe if we like ever set up a Patreon you can hear it, but not you now. wouldn't want to. There's very little I mean, I'm so, talking a lot. Monica's saying nothing. Me, I'm like, I'm watching this movie. Like I'm so invested. Like it is what it is. Anyway. Uh, as always, don't, don't sue us, Daddy, Daddy Favreau. Favreau. Goodbye, Monica. Goodbye. Bye.